Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Today I want to talk specifically about getting connected spiritually with other believers. I think it's one of the most important things about our walk with God. We are an intensely connected generation. By generation, I'm not breaking you down by, by age groups. I'm just talking about the people that are alive at this particular time in history. No other generation has been this connected. According to statistics that are dated January 2018, there are now more than four billion people around the world using the internet. Well over half of the world's population is now online. The, the latest data showing, shows nearly a quarter of a billion new users online. They came online within one year in 2017. In the United States, 274.86 million people use the internet. Only 11% of our population does not use the internet. Companies are spending hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, not millions, billions of dollars, to do whatever it takes to connect everybody in the world through the internet. So today I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes to get connected relationally with other people instead of relying totally on the internet for your connections. In fact, one of the results of increased technology, the personal computers, cell phones, tablets, is that people have become more and more disconnected. According to a new study dated May 2018, Americans check their phones on average 80 times a day when they're on vacation. Doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound relaxing? <laughs> I'm kind of amazed at that. Another survey dated April 2018 said Americans altogether check their phones 47 times each day. Now, the exception in that are those ages 18 to 24. They check their phones 86 times per day. We're well into a generation of kids who are buried in electronic devices, unaware of whatever's happening around them. I look at my grandkids bent over their cell phones, and I can't help but wonder what their backs are going to look like when they get to my age. We... uh, you know, I sound, like a, I sound like a grandfather when I'm talking, because I am, but I have sympathy for those of you who have kids that are buried in their cell phones. We, uh, I, I, there's a, uh, she feeds all kinds of birds around her house that's kind of out in the country, and I said, uh, I, I said you know, Ann, I'll, I'll, come and, I'll come and fill your feeders for you. So I've been going out there to do that. Well, I brought Izzy. Izzy is our little dog that we've had for three years. We adopted her from a shelter, and uh, she's a mini pin. And I, I was aware of why they were bred. They were bred by the Germans. The, it was a recognized breed in 1925. And uh, they were bred for, to, to get rid of mouses and rats. And I, I hadn't really recognized her nature until we went out to Anne's house. Terry and I went out there a few days ago, and we were sitting talking to her, and Anne has a cat. And there's a play mouse out there that the cat likes. Well, Izzy grabbed onto that mouse. 
And that mouse has been, become the total focus of her life. If, if we get close to her, she growls at us. She sleeps in our bed, so I've had three nights of disturbed sleep while somewhere in the middle of the night, the, the mouse got lost and she's tearing apart the bed. We have to turn on the lights and find the mouse so she can calm down. I think that's a little bit like having a kid that's lost on the internet on their phone. You, they don't pay any attention to you. In fact, they growl at you if you try to interact with them. Anyhow, so I understand. <laughs> people don't actually know each other. You don't know all of your neighbors. You don't know all the people you work with. You probably don't even know all the people in this church, even if you've been going here for a while. We're basically disconnected. We weren't made to live this way. In the biblical account of creation, we read in Genesis 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, after God said that, he created Eve so that Adam would not be alone. You were literally made for relationships. These, you were created for connections. The psychologists tell this, the universal need to belong. Now, even Jesus needed friends. The Bible uses a very important word about connecting people at the very deepest level. It uses the word fellowship. It's God's word for connecting with others. This word fellowship doesn't refer to hanging out with, with people or even being with friends. Fellowship is more than socializing. It's more than networking, more than just spending a fun time with the people you love. Fellowship in the truest sense is a soul-to-soul connection, a heart-to-heart connection. This type of spiritual fellowship is not possible unless you know the Lord and have learned to become spiritually connected to other followers of Jesus. Now, in the gospel, Jesus modeled this fellowship with his 12 disciples as he, as he taught them and as they were going around uh, meeting needs. They, they relied on each other for mutual support. The book of Acts in the New Testament records the beginning of the church under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And Luke mentions fellowship in his description of the first Jerusalem church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now, after this verse, the, the rest of the New Testament mostly gives instructions and practical advice to help the church live in a healthy fellowship. The church isn't just a place to attend. It's also a group to be connected to. Fellowship is how we identify with the body of Christ. I always enjoy seeing pictures online from, from Emmaus Road, especially of people being baptized in here. The purpose of fellowship is most closely linked to baptism with what Jesus said in his great commission, his, his last words before ascending into heaven. Matthew chapter 28 verse, 20, verse 19 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. The reason Jesus wanted believers to be baptized was that so we could make public our commitment of our lives for him. 
No one else can see what's happening in your heart and in your mind. But baptism identifies that fact. The act of baptism actually identifies that. It's like looking at a, at a couple walking down the street, and, and you know which ones are, are committed to marriage by looking at the symbol that they've got on their finger, the wedding ring. Your baptism is simply a symbol that makes a public statement to other people in the church of your commitment to God. Baptism says that the other people of the church, to the other people of the church, that you want to be connected with them in faith, in hope, and in love. We hurry from place to place, kind of filling our lives with all kinds of activities, sometimes overscheduling our families and ourselves. But what really sustains us emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, and physically is connectedness. The feeling we're part of something else that matters. Connectedness or fellowship is essential to your life. You've got to get connected. So let's talk about that. What is it like to be spiritually connected? There's four biblical metaphors or word pictures that I want to look at that are going to give you some answers to that question. Now, being connected spiritually, first of all, is like being a brick in a building. You're talking about this, the, the work and witness trip that you're going to go on where you're going to put bricks up there. I, I've been there when we've done that before. It's like spiritual connectedness is like a brick in a building. The Bible compares the church to a spiritual building. Notice this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 and 22. You too are built upon the foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets. The cornerstone being Christ Jesus himself. In union with him, you too are being built together with all the others into a place where God lives through his spirit. It says that phrase, being built together. Have you ever been around some type of a building project where you're actually able to walk around the site during the various stages of construction? It's fascinating to watch as the foundation gets poured, as the walls go in, as the, as the roof gets put on and, and fit together. Once the frame and the shell are in place, you can go inside and you can see many different pieces of the potential building laying around on the floor. You see pieces of wood, of metal, switch boxes, wires, doors, hinges, knobs, light fixtures, flooring, and all kinds of other decor items that are going to go in there. But as long as they're disconnected, they're just stuff laying there. They're, they're not really part of the building. They're in the building, but they're not part of the building until they're actually connected, until they're actually installed. I think that's very much like the church. You can be in the church, but not really connected to it at all. You can come and sit and hear God's word preached and sing songs and talk to a few people on the way to your car, but you're mostly a spectator. You're not actually a participant in the fellowship of the church. You need to get connected. Paul describes the process and the goal in this way in Ephesians 2.21. He says, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So God is building a living spiritual temple. 
and it's going to last forever. But to be part of it, you've got to get connected to it now. So why did God choose a building as an illustration of what it means to be spiritually connected? I think it's because all the bricks in the building support each other. If, if they build buildings anything like they do in Brazil, in Peru, you'll experience this. We went to Brazil on several trips, uh, put brick up there, laid brick up there. One day I was, I was leaning against this wall <laughs> and the wall started to move. And I, and I realized something hadn't been connected there and I quit leaning on the wall real quick. In, in Brazil, they, they put up the wall, they put up all the bricks and then they pour the support columns that hold it together. Uh, the bricks that we lay in here are supported by God himself and, and held together by him. But we are all connected to each other. We're part of the support system. Walls support other walls. The roof, the roof holds the walls together as part of an overall support structure. One wall may not even touch another one, but they're connected and they're supported by different parts. Support is one of the deepest needs that we have in our lives. Sometimes you need emotional support. Sometimes you need physical support. Sometimes you need spiritual support. You're like a brick in a building. You weren't meant to live life disconnected and unsupported. The next analogy about being spiritually connected says, it's like being a part of a body, a part of a body. The Bible not only compares uh, being a part of the church like being a brick in a building, but also compares it to being part of a body. Paul describes it this way in his letter to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 12, verses four through five. He says, we have many parts in the one body, and all these parts have different functions. In the same way, though we are many, we are one body in union with Christ. We are all joined to each other as different parts of one body. These two verses are absolutely packed with spiritual truth. And I want, I want, I'm going to leave them on the screen for a while here. And I want to point out five things just from these verses. They tell us, first of all, that in a church, we are all unique. We're all unique. When I look at you, I could say, this is a crowd. But in my mind, I realize you're all unique. You're all different. You're all, you're all thinking your own thoughts right now. Maybe some of my thoughts, maybe some of your own, I don't know, but you're, but you're all unique. Notice in the scripture it says, there are many parts in the one body. God doesn't want you to be like anybody else. He made you unique. He wants you to be you. He doesn't want you copying anybody else. You don't have to be like them. You are unique. Next we see that in the church, we all have different roles to play, different roles. It says, in the scripture it says, we each have different functions or work to do. We have different niches to fill. In a body, every part doesn't do the same thing. Can you imagine what it would be like if all the parts of your body did the same thing? If every part of your body did digestion, it would be kind of redundant and a, just a little bit uncomfortable, I think. It, <laughs> It would also be unnecessary and really ugly to watch. <laughs> the body has many other things to do besides just digest food. 
We have different roles to play in the body of Christ. Next, in a church, we are all needed. We're all needed to make the body complete. It says, though we are many, we are one body. Some parts of your body are quite small, but they're still needed. Even when that small part of your body gets hurt, the rest of the body reacts to that small part. Any of you ever lost a, a fingernail or a toenail? That's when you realize just how important that crazy thing is to cover up that other part that really hurts. It's important, the most important light in my home is not the great big lamp in the living room. It's the little lights that we leave on all night long so that I can find my way to the coffee maker in the morning. I think the second most important little light in my house is the one that comes on when I open the refrigerator door. The point is that no matter what part you play here, big or small, you're needed here as a part of the body of Christ. You're not here by accident. God brought you here because you have an important part to play in this fellowship called Emmaus Road. Another thing, in a church, we all belong to each other. It says again in the scripture, we are one body in union with Christ. The Christian life isn't just a matter of believing. I know pastors for years have made it sound like that, but there's a lot more to it. It's also a matter of belonging. Christ is our common denominator. We all belong to each other. When you make a commitment to Christ, when, when you make that commitment to Christ, you also make a commitment to other Christ followers. The final thing I would say about this verse is that it shows us that in a church we are all connected to each other. We're all connected to each other. It says we are joined to each other. When a body part is disconnected from the body, it's not very effective. What good is an eyeball if it's detached from the body? An eye can't see at all unless it's attached to the body. A hand can't do what it's supposed to do unless it's attached to the body. Here's the parallel. God wants you to be connected to his body because you can't be effective as a believer without being spiritually connected. Why did God choose the body as an illustration of what it means to be spiritually connected? I think it's because all the parts in a body grow together. They all grow together. If your leg gets detached from your body, can it grow? No way. I don't know how you say it any clearer than this. You cannot be all that God wants you to be, and you cannot grow to be what God wants you to be without being attached to the body of Christ. You need a church home. The most important connection you need to have is your connection with God through Jesus Christ. Once you've got that one down, the second most important connection in your life is to get connected to the body of Christ so that you can grow. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19 says, All of us who are Christ's body are joined, for we are joined together by his strong sinews. We grow only as we get our nourishment and strength from God. What in the world is a sinew? A sinew is the muscle that holds everything together. Notice it says that we grow 
as we get our nourishment and our strength from God. God holds the church together. If you're serious about spiritual growth, then you have to get connected to a body, a church. You decide that's where I'm gonna grow. You cannot grow like you're supposed to on your own. It's very important that you, that you must uh, realize that you're a vital part of this body, that you can contribute to the overall growth of the church. The third analogy about being spiritually connected says, it's like being a sheep in a flock. It's like being a sheep in a flock. This concept is easy, was easily understood in the times of the Bible. The Psalm writer said in Psalm 100 verse three, acknowledge that the Lord is God, he made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now being a sheep in a flock may not sound terribly appealing to you. In fact, it sounds kind of smelly and they're pretty well known for being stupid. So it's, it's, it's a weird thing. You, you may not have any idea uh, how well sheep were cared for in biblical times, how well they're cared for even now. But most of you are familiar with Psalm 23, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means the sheep have absolutely everything they need. When you get in God's flock, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, takes care of the needs of your life. Jesus made this claim about himself in John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's how much you matter to God. Jesus laid down his life for you. Now, why did God choose the flock as an illustration of what it means to be spiritually connected? It's because all the sheep in the flock are cared for. Jesus is our primary example to follow. And, and since his resurrection, he has now passed on the task of shepherding the flock to people that we could call shepherd leaders. That's one of the functions of the church. We are committed to care for one another. You need that in your life. When you're getting beat up in the business world or when your marriage or your, or your family is under incredible strain, being stressed to the limit, and you're facing an overwhelming crisis, you need people that when everybody else walks out, they walk into your life, they walk through your life with you. They take responsibility to protect and care for you like a shepherd does the sheep. Peter entrusts the shepherd leaders in the church with this job description. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Now, clearly, this message is for pastors like me. These words were quoted at my ordination service. I've heard them quoted at every ordination service I've ever attended. In every church, God gives a number of these people who are good at whatever we're talking about here. They're good at caring for other people. They're good at, at loving. They're good at leading and encouraging discussion or, or teaching and supporting or helping people in the church. They have that skill set. As a flock grows, a single shepherd will become less and less effective 
at providing this kind of care. I'm convinced that God wants his flock to grow, so he will raise up many shepherd leaders to take on the roles of helping to care for the sheep. These people understand they're working for the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Every, shep every sheep needs a shepherd. Every person deserves individualized and personalized care in some way. A shepherd leader becomes a voluntary position within the body. You wanna do it not because somebody's forcing you to do it, but because you feel that God is calling you to do it. I've always had a feel that, feeling that God calls all of us to do many different things. I'm not the only called one around when I'm in the church. Other people are called for different things. Shepherd leaders. Here at Emmaus Road, you could include staff pastors, small group leaders, children and youth workers, compassionate ministry leaders. I heard that you need greeters this morning. You can include greeters. In fact, I think greeters is one of the most called positions I know of. Some of you are wired to be shepherd leaders of God's flock. You simply have a heart for people. You're gifted at helping people. If you love God and you love people, you qualify to help shepherd this flock. You can help Emmaus Road to have the reputation for being a place where people are protected and cared for. Now, I wanna encourage you to help others. I know that as you do, God will bless you. You're gonna grow spiritually as you do this, and the flock will continue to grow as well. So we've talked about being spiritually connected, that it's like a brick in a building, it's like a part in a body, it's also like sheep in a flock. The last analogy that I wanna give you is that spiritually connected says, it's like becoming a member it's like becoming a member of a family. The Bible tells us that we are God's family. First Timothy chapter three, verse 15 says, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, some of you live very long distance from family members. Others of you may be in a marriage or a family that's not helpful or supportive to your spiritual development or growth. If you're in this church, it is your spiritual family. It wants to care for you and help you be that all, all that God really wants you to be. So how are we to act as members of the family of God? Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, love each other like brothers and sisters. Now, in past generations, and in some churches today, you can hear members call each other brother and sister. Most of the time, I knew that somebody called me Brother Watkin, they didn't know my first name. <laughs> but when I was growing up, that's the way I was taught. It, it, was, it was Brother Edwards. I, I wasn't allowed to call him Steve as a, as a kid. It, the, I, I grew up in that environment. The truth is still that we are related to each other. We are the brothers and sisters of each other in the family of God. The phrase one another is used 58 times in the New Testament. We're to love one another, care for one another, encourage one another, give to one another, support one another, help one another, etc. 
In a family, you really get to know each other. At home, we see each other at our worst, physically, emotionally, spiritually. In a, in a church family, there will be times when we're going to see the imperfections of others. If you go on a church camp out, you're going to figure out who snores and who doesn't. If you, if you go to a church potluck, you're going to figure out who really likes dessert. You know how to tell that? They get dessert the first time through. They're not dumb enough to try to wait for it later on. I, I know that. That's a very important thing that you have to learn in the church. <laughs> it's likely we will find out some bad habit, some area in your life where you've really blown it or some hang up from your past. But that's exactly what the church is for. It's for people who've blown it, people who want to change, people who want to make a difference with their life. This is one of the things that I most love about being here with you. This church will know your stories. It will see the changes that God has made in your life. This isn't a perfect church. So if you're a perfect person, this might not cut it for you. You, you might want to go and, go and join the, the Church of Holy Perfection. I, I don't know where it's located. I, I know it's not in Fort Collins, and I'm pretty sure it's not in Longmont where I live. However, if you don't have it all together, then this is the place for you. Why did God choose the family as an illustration of what it means to be spiritually connected? It's because all members in a family love each other. Well, at least that's ideally what's supposed to happen. You don't have to like all your family members as, as best friends necessarily, but you You've got to love them. If we really want God's blessing to be on this church, it must be a place where we really love each other. Now, I'm keenly aware of the fact that those words I just said might really hurt somebody right to the gut today. What if your family wasn't a place of love? What if all you got is pain out of that family? I haven't seen any place better than the church to bring that pain and find healing and find love. It's the only organization I know of that can help you when you're in that situation. So today I want you to consider whether or not you are spiritually connected to the church. If not, I invite you to get spiritually connected here. How do you get connected? On one of his journeys, Paul was, was taking an offering for the city at Corinth. They were uh, taking the offering to provide food for the starving church in Judea, back in Jerusalem. As he wrote to the people in Corinth, he cited the example of the Macedonians, of their faith and their generosity. Listen to how they got connected. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 says, First they gave themselves to the Lord, and then by God's will they gave themselves to us as well. First you commit to live your life in a right and healthy relationship with God, and then you commit to becoming a part of God's family by getting to know the people of this fellowship better. I close uh, with an analogy from nature of fellowship or connectedness, or connectedness that's very precious to me as a lifelong Californian. The huge, if you can come up with the next picture back there, the huge redwood trees of, of Northern California are amazing. I moved to California when I was two years old. I, I remember growing up 
seeing these huge trees. We lived right up among them. I remember seeing them, and then I remember also camping underneath them with my own children. They're the largest living things on earth and the tallest trees in the world. Some are 300 feet high and, and literally are, are more than 2,500 years old. You would think that the tree that large would have a tremendous root system going hundreds of feet down into the earth, but that's not the case. Redwoods are a very have a very shallow root system. However, the roots of these trees intertwine. They interlock with the other trees, with each other. So when storms come and winds blow, the redwoods still stand. That's why they only grow in family groups. I thought it was interesting. Uh, it looked like Rick Edwards photobombed this thing somehow. <laughs> but, but you see that thing he's headed for? I think it's a big stump right there in the middle. That, that's how some of them are left. And that's, that's the mother tree, probably, in this area. And all those other big trees grew out of that one tree, out of the roots of that tree. They're interlocked with each other. The, the roots of those trees support them and hold them firm. They need one another to survive. Redwood tree planted alone won't survive. As Christ followers, we can't go it alone. We need each other to survive and, and grow in our faith. God has given us his church. It's his strong building. It's his body. It's his flock. It, it's his family on earth. When you are baptized into Christ, you are baptized into the fellowship. Through Christ, you are bound together in a community of faith. We belong to Christ and we belong to each other. Fellowship with Christ means fellowship with each other. This is our God-given support system as followers of Christ. As such, it is intended to meet some critical needs in our lives, the needs that we've been discussing. I invite you to follow Jesus. I invite you to get connected with the fellowship of Christ here at Emmaus Road. Make the goal of getting connected through fellowship real in your life today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Father in heaven, may we all get more connected in this fellowship by, re by realizing our part in your building. Help us realize that by supporting one another, by seeking to grow in this body together. Help us to be a part in your flock by caring for each other and in your family by loving each other. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go through this life disconnected. Thank you for creating this church and help, may they help each other to become all you want them to be. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.